Welcome to the latest episode of On the Case, uh, this time covering the long-awaited Supreme Court decision in the high-profile dispute Fern and Others versus Board of Trustees of Tate Gallery. Listeners should by now be familiar with this litigation, which was included in EG's top 10 cases of 2019 and 2020 when considered by the courts below. Uh, it is, of course, a claim in nuisance brought by the residents of Neo Bankside on the south bank of the Thames against the Tate Modern Art Gallery over its viewing platform tourist attraction, which has granted millions of visitors panoramic views of London and straight into their neighbouring flats. After defeat at the High Court and Court of Appeal, the residents have finally tasted victory, albeit via a split decision of the country's highest court. Uh, to discuss what that means, both for the parties concerned and for the law of nuisance, I'm joined not only by EG's court reporter, James Lumley, but also from Charles Russell Speechley's partner, James Souter and associate Sam Lear. Welcome, all of you. To start with uh, James Souter, uh, when last we spoke about this case, James, back when it was heard by the Supreme Court in December 2021, uh, you told listeners that it was exciting times for the law of nuisance and you said you could feel the winds of change beginning to blow. Uh, it may have taken a little bit longer than you expected, but I, I imagine you were feeling rather pleased with yourself at the moment. It's probably just as well that this is a podcast and not a video, because I'm looking incredibly smug here, as you as you you guys can attest to. But but I think on a serious note, we had all of the ingredients for a decision in favour of the flat owners. The reason that I'd said that is that obviously we had the first instance judge saying that overlooking as it was called then could amount to a legal nuisance but then he found on the facts that um that the overlooking in this case was not sufficient to to be actionable uh, we then had the court of appeal saying you know effectively he was wrong on both counts that overlooking could not amount to a legal nuisance but they then went on to criticize some of the sort of factual findings that he had made in in order to sort of reach the conclusion that 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 if it were, it could be a nuisance, it wasn't actionable. So so, so all to play for. Um, and then, as you say, a split decision. I mean, right to the very end, it, it, it clearly, as we'll talk about today, it was a very finely balanced case, right on right on the edge. And it was decided by, you know, one, one of the five justices. So James, we've had a bit of a tradition uh, in our podcasts uh, covering this case to, to take a little bit of an adversarial approach where you and, and one of your colleagues uh, kind of examine the issues from the points of view of the, the different parties. So uh, just to take us through what the, the core issues as distilled before the Supreme Court were, uh, I imagine that you are going to be uh, taking the position of the flat owners. I am. Uh, but uh, who would like to start? Sam, do you want to sort of run us through the arguments as advanced? Either Tate or, or James, do you want to go first? James, why don't you go first? That's that's fine. I mean, there was a whole there were a whole list of arguments around, you know, whether whether nuisance could um, extend to overlooking, um, and also then whether in this case um, that the overlooking would amount to a nuisance. I, I think probably for me, just sort of jumping to the decision, if I can, Jess, for me, you you had. Uh, five Supreme Court justices, three leaned uh, one way, two the other way. And, and when you read their judgments, it's surprising really how similar they are in many respects. So absolutely unanimous, um, uh, overturning the Court of Appeal, saying that overlooking couldn't amount to a legal nuisance. All five justices say 
the overlooking or as they called it, and I think it's a really good phrase, visual intrusion can amount to um, to a legal nuisance. So they all agreed on that. And, and really the battleground was whether in this case, the overlooking or the visual intrusion could amount um, or would, would be actionable. And I, and I think just in terms of, of the judgment itself, taking a step back, I think probably one of the striking aspects um, that both Sam and I'm sure will agree on is that it's a really interesting summary of the law of nuisance, bringing the law of nuisance right up to date. Um, it's obviously been developed over many hundreds of years and different types of activity in different periods of time have and have not been considered nuisance. Um, and, and I think probably the most startling point for me is, is how wide the Supreme Court says the law of nuisance goes. It, it, it says effectively there are no limits to what might amount to a legal nuisance. Um, and, and I think that's probably one of the most, you know, one of the most surprising um, elements. I mean, I, I, and you can see the force of it, because I think one of the one of the big arguments in this case is that overlooking or visual intrusion, as it's now called, is different. So a smell coming from someone's land to, an, to their neighbor's land could be a nuisance. Um, vibration, dust, the blocking of light or could be sort of a legal nuisance. But, but I think one of the, the key factors here is that people say visual intrusion or overlooking. Well, there isn't a physical impact, people say. There's nothing uh, emanating from the offending land into the victim's land. But the Supreme Court says that doesn't matter. Um, it, it is it is it is use of the neighboring or activity on the neighboring land that you know that, that causes an impact to you know the reasonable use and enjoyment of, of the victim's land um, and so I think that probably for me was 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 the most interesting point and we'll probably come to the ramifications and, and what mm. we might expect so I won't I won't jump into that now but then mm. so so the, the Supreme Court everyone says that visual intrusion can be a nuisance and then really so the, the, the whole battleground in the judgments is is whether this visual intrusion amounts to to um to a, a nuisance and I and I have you know I, I sort of be repeating myself it takes me back to when Megan and I sat here probably December 2021 and if this if this if 600,000 people each year looking into your glass-walled flat from 34 meters away is not going to engage you know a, a visual intrusion nuisance then what will there, there simply mm. can't be there simply can't be anything um there can't be a, a more extreme example and i think that then it, it goes to the purpose it's it's this viewing gallery the purpose of the viewing gallery the only thing you can do from it at the elevation that overlooks the bankside flats is look out to the bankside flats and that's what they did and and, and so so that's really extreme and i you know i it's very difficult sam i'm sure will do his best to tell us why this <laughs> uh, this visual intrusion should not uh, engage in actionable nuisance but i just i just don't see that it can you know you're never going to have a more extreme case and again i don't want to sort of jump to the end about the ramifications what does this mean but it's a very high bar you know the the leading judgment made it very clear that the the cases where visual intrusion nuisance is successful will be very rare. Okay, with with that gauntlet thrown down, Sam, how how would you uh, distill uh, the arguments of of the Tate Modern and and perhaps why they should have succeeded? 
Well, this is where the dissenting view from Lord Sales was quite interesting. James is absolutely right that there was broad agreement as to the principles of you know, the extent to which private nuisance could be could be found. But in Lord Sales' dissent, his view was that the trial judge and the High Court um, Justice Mann was entitled to make the assessment that he did. You know, on the basis that he found that visual intrusion or overlooking was, you know, was in theory capable of constituting a private nuisance. And he looked into the, the general give and take principles. You know, to what extent could buying a flat in the centre of London, which is floor to ceiling glass box and James mentioned just there that when you look out from the viewing gallery you can't but help to see that building yet it's curious that there hasn't been any indication for instance that other neighboring residential blocks have bought similar cases the case against the Tate Modern now is that because the very architectural design of these floor to ceiling glass box effectively gives rise to no greater interest from from the viewer's perspective and you know with central london if you buy somewhere in the center there's an element that you have to accept that you are going to be in a highly dense urban population and there will always be elements of overlooking now it's it is quite difficult to argue that the extent um of a half a million people a year looking into your flat is in theory oppressive and we will doubtless come on to the ramifications of this decision because these facts are so extreme you know to such an extent where it's very difficult to conceive of other similar scenarios from applying but the first instance decision did refer to some self-help measures that flat owners could take for instance the installation of net curtains other types of blinds and the Tate Modern has indeed taken steps to encourage its visitors from not engaging in activities such as photography, you know, the use of binoculars and, and so on. So it comes down in Lord Sale's view, and I think there is an element of um, persuasiveness to it, in my view, that, uh, that there has to be an element of compromise and a reciprocal relationship between neighbours. What can you know, the, the, the so-called victim do to help lessen the extent of any nuisance? Um, and that's where the, the main discussion took place in the dissenting opinion. He's, all, he's already gone for the people in glass houses must have net curtains. I mean, it's, um, I, I think, I, I just wanted to add one point, sorry, Jess, before it, it I think something that comes out of the leading judgment is it is an uncommon use of the tape this is not this is not uh, it's not an ordinary use it, it, museums will exist in central uh, centers of cities and and, and tall buildings with people lots of people in them but this viewing platform is an extremely unusual use and i think that then sort of in in the leading judgment really tips things in favor of the flat owners and, and then when you add the intensity of the overlooking, it, it gets really difficult. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll talk about whether if someone's making a noise next door to me, I should be wearing earplugs later, I guess. But um, 
yes, I imagine we, we will return uh, to net curtains uh, and uh, self-induced incentives to gaze and so on. But I thought I'd bring James Lumley in uh, at this point. So, James, uh, you were at the Supreme Court on Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective as a, a court reporter of considerable experience, what did you make of uh, the decision, what the, what the Supreme Court actually decided and, and, and how it reached that judgment? Well, I, I suppose what I found interesting, and I've, I've probably sat through more court hearings and, and more judgments than most barristers, frankly, in the last 25 years. I was um, I was surprised by just how muscular it was, how how, how we, we've been waiting for this judgment to come through, which everyone said was so very difficult, so finely balanced. And Lord Leggett sat down and went, well, I've basically been considering it. And it's all very easy. I mean, it was it was and, you know, obviously he's got the, the wisdom of a, of, a, of a Supreme Court judge and and and, and the uh, and he's, he's unappealable. Um, but but it was it was very clear, very straight down the line, very, very muscularly put, especially in the way he read not, not, not only the judgment, but the way he, he read out a very, very clear, excellent summary, I thought, at, 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 at the beginning. Um, but also it occurred to me this really is a case all about extreme circumstances because on the one hand you've got this extremely large number of people looking at the flats on on the other hand you have these flats which which are designed expressly to 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 give people the benefit of of a massive panorama themselves across london they're not normal flats they are you know the whole feature of them as 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 lord sales points out in Paragraph two seven one and two seven two. They're architecturally designed to give the give give the residents their own view of London, and that's probably what that's what Lord Sales makes makes quite clear. Can the residents, having having bought this this wonderful view of London, then complain when somebody else buys one next to them? And 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 you know that to me is the strongest um, argument in favour of the Tate, uh, and and that to me is why it was one judge that. Um, that made it go one way and why it was such a such a uh, a close decision because i can i can see both sides on this one and i think it's fascinating well it is fascinating james i mean i was speaking to quite a few friends who are not lawyers just for their no view because this case has really captured the public's imagination and i would say it's almost a 50 50 split some saying how can these people who buy you know a glass flat in the city of london complain um, for the reasons you've just described, but then others have taken uh, James uh, Souter's view that you know, half a million people looking in every year is uh, it, you know, is also an outrage. It, it has actually really led to quite strong views from both sides. There was there was a really interesting comment in early on in in the judgment in paragraph seven that surmising yeah. what lay behind the rejection of the claim in the courts below and just to quote uh, lord leggett is, is a reluctance to decide that the private rights of a few wealthy property owners should prevent the general public from enjoying an unrestricted view of london and a major national museum from providing public access to such a view that that was one of the reasons that he thought the decisions had gone the other way below and and he and and the the other two lords who allowed the appeal tried to have a, a more cold objective approach because i think james you're absolutely right these are two fairly extreme uses but i i think you're going to find far more glass walled apartments in london than you would have 
viewing platforms of this intensity at that proximity to residential accommodation. And but it, but the balance is so fine. I agree with you. It's very fine. It engages but, issues of class warfare that are, are, are so sort of ingrained uh, in in British culture and. Uh, uh, unlike other media organisations, EG has taken the very sensible policy of not having comments below the line. But uh, I imagine if we did, that uh, the debate would be would be raging uh, on both sides. I mean, never go below the line. But yeah, no, I agree. Paragraph seven was I thought that was striking. I, when I, I mean, it was it was it was it's quite a read this judgment. You, you don't need to go six paragraphs in and you get an eyeful. It's um, it was, uh, yeah, very interesting. If only they were all written uh, like that. And, and as you mentioned, James, it is, it is it's sort of fascinating that after years of argument, uh, you know, multiple podcasts like these and and miles and miles of commentary and, and 13 months of deliberation on the Supreme Court's part, that, that Lord Leggett does treat this, in his words, as a straightforward case of nuisance. I mean, James and Sam, what did you sort of make of that conclusion after all of that background? It's difficult because I probably do side with uh, the uh, the residents in this case. Um, is it a straightforward case? I, I think it, it might be in Lord Leggett's mind, but I think given that we've had very different opinions from a range of different justices at all levels, coming to quite different conclusions, uh, maybe not in respect of whether it's capable of amounting to a nuisance in the Supreme Court, but we've got a three to two majority in the Supreme Court, and we've had the High Court and the Court of Appeal decide um, in favour of the Tate Gallery for very different reasons. So it was clearly an area of law that needed to have a degree of clarification because of the different interpretations that the justices, even in, in the Supreme Court, have taken to the uh, the common law as it stands. And, and I think then then you are required to balance these two competing and challenging interests and work out which one you favor and 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 it, and it came and it came so very close i mean for me it's actually it's 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 really clear and i've i've sort of probably said everything i need to say about the reasons why the volume the intensity i think the un, the uncommon use um which i think sits much more heavily on the tate side than it does on on the bank side flats um uh, and then you sort of talk about. I mean, shall I just come on to net curtains? If, is is now Why the not? time? There's there, there's never a bad time to to bring up net curtains. <laughs> so, uh, and that's really all about. You know, effectively, it's covered very well in 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 the the leading judgment. And I and I think James, you're right. It's I think the law of nuisance is the beneficiary here because it's it's a great judgment and it really provides clarity and 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 detail in lots of different ways. But but I think it's it is not a defence to a claim in nuisance that the victim should, could take some steps to prevent the activity that would otherwise be a nuisance from being a nuisance. And I said earplugs, so someone's making a noise next door. I don't need to put earplugs in. Uh, there's a cricket ground case referred to where it's not it's not on me to put a net up or put extra strength of glass in my back windows because the balls are coming over the fence. So so it it just why in this case, why in the case of visual intrusion, should that be different? And I don't think there's any good reason why it should. And you mentioned earlier on, James, that we, we, we've talked about how it, it was a split decision uh, in the Supreme Court, three to two, uh, which, of course, means that over the course of the litigation, six 
out of nine judges that heard the case actually sided with the Tates, but the three that matter most uh, favoured the residents. But um, they weren't in disagreement, the five Supreme Court justices, on that principle uh, of, of visual uh, nuisance. Uh, it was it was the outcome of this particular case that, that split them. That's right, isn't it? I think absolutely right and and then it's and then it's the test how do you how do you determine and, and there's lots of talk of give and take live and let live reciprocity words and phrases that feature on both sides and it's really just uh, there is a subjective element to to the decision and i think you know i'm going to not going to cross the fence entirely but in support of sam's side the the dissenters said well look you know the trial judge went and had a look the trial judge had the facts and, and the live witness evidence in front of him. And so he's best placed to make a decision. But quite frankly, I think he made the wrong one. And I think lots of people, if, if anyone thinks that the amount of visual intrusion that we've discussed and described is not going to be um, you know, difficult to suffer for the, for the victims, then uh, you know, I, I just don't see how you can justify that. And uh, James Lumley, uh, you're not going to be done with this case. You are going to get another crack at it uh, because when it comes to the immediate ramifications for uh, the Neobankside residents and, and the Tate Modern and the future of its viewing platform, they do remain to be decided. So just procedurally, what, what's going to happen next in this case? What procedurally? Well, what, what I think is that what I think is going to happen next is that they'll come to an agreement and there won't be another court hearing um, because that's what <laughs> sensible people do. Um, uh, and you know, that, that's, that's have they adopted I, a sensible approach thus far? Well, I think I think now we've taken it this far. <laughs> I think you know they might they might, and there's lots of talk about being good neighbours and stuff and things like that now from 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 both sides, part of lawyers. So I I I think and hope that that um that this will resolve itself in an amicable fashion. Um. But if it doesn't, then yes, it'll go. It'll go for direction. It'll go for for, for resolution in the in, in in the high court. And I mean, the judgment um, makes it pretty clear the, the the things it needs to be fought on. Uh, whether whether actually you can uh, whether 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 payment would be enough. I think I think Lord said that Lord um, Leggett suggests that 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 the financial uh, financial penalty would not wouldn't be would, wouldn't wouldn't suffice. Um, but yeah, they they frame they frame the battle already in this in in this case. But I I I think it'll I think they'll sort it out themselves. And also just to point out, there has been no visual intrusion for the last couple of years, in my understanding. They closed the uh, the platform during the pandemic, and uh, they've not reopened it yet. Um, so um, there there isn't a queue of people clamouring to get on the platform and uh, take photographs and post on social media. Before um, it's too late, yes. Before it's um, too late. Um, so, if you were, you know, each to put money on an outcome, what 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 do you imagine uh, might be achieved either by discussion or uh, through imposition by the High Court? What, what what do you expect to be the outcome for these parties? I'm happy to have a an initial crack at that. I mean, I th I think as, as James said, there was there was some guidance in or, or you know some signposting in the judgment. And one one of the points that I had noted down was the sort of public interest because public interest featured throughout the case in different ways. And and the leading judgment of the Supreme Court said. You know, it's not a factor that would outweigh, you know, that would make what would otherwise be a nuisance, not a nuisance. Um, you know, the, the public interest involves individuals and people together being the public. So that it's not, 
you know, you, you need to be careful how you look at that. But what they did say is that the public interest might well go to remedy. So it could be that it's a factor that if, if an agreement can't be reached, that, you know, whether an injunction would be appropriate or not. It seems to me, as James Lumley said, that it's going to be difficult. It'd be very difficult to assess the damages um, that would be necessary to compensate. And therefore, I think, you know, an injunction would be the starting point, but probably the subtleties and nuance of what that injunction might look like, because it's not going to be presumably close the viewing gallery. It would be limit the use, perhaps install some kind of not net curtains, but louvres or something. Um, so, but so I think there is there is some interesting um, something interesting there to be dealt with. But I agree with James Lumley that you would imagine that some kind of compromise could be reached now that we have the highest court in the land, you know, establishing that there is a nuisance. Without wishing to agree with both of you, I think that's very likely. Um, I would hope that they wouldn't close the viewing gallery full time, no. Um, 360 degrees, but it might be that they do install some kind of barrier or louvre, as, as has been suggested, just for that section that does look into those uh, block of flats. And that would appear to be the common sense and easiest solution without sort of reducing too much um, the utility of the viewing gallery. And you know, valuation evidence in terms of assessing damages would be an incredibly difficult exercise. It's not a point I want to sort of dwell on too much, but I did note that um, one of the flat owners has subsequently sold um, the flat and another has has let it out. There could be all sorts of reasons for that and I haven't seen any evidence. Um, but again, it just goes to show that you know, coming up with evidence to put a figure on mm. what you know, the loss of um, in you know, utility or enjoyability of their, their flat would be an incredibly difficult exercise and would be very costly, I imagine, as well. And yeah, I imagine already the, the cost run up on this dispute are an eye-watering level, so I can't imagine anyone wants to, to drag things out uh, much longer. Um, so yeah, so I, I agree. It sounds like uh, a sensible approach, as, as James said earlier, there is a section of the platform I've, I've been up there that pretty much the only thing you can see is is their flat. So closing that section of the platform would seem to be uh, a common sense resolution. But then again, some some might have said that uh, uh, that would have been a common sense resolution several years ago as well, but it wasn't reached then. So who knows what will happen now? Um, but what of uh, the wider ramifications and uh, quite how strong those winds of change uh, that James mentioned uh, are going to be. I mean, it seems to me like, you know, we've talked about how the, the facts of this case are unique. Um, it, it's very difficult to imagine identical facts arising, um, even within the city of London, it, it, it's almost hard to imagine. But uh, now that the principle of overlooking uh, or, or visual intrusion as a nuisance is, is and has been established, uh, do you think there is much potential for, for further claims to expand this area of the law? I, I think there, there's a, there is a possibility that we might see a few uh, people attempt such claims, whether they succeed or not is, is another question. Um, but I think the facts of this case are so extreme. Um, and to my mind, the only scenarios I could see such cases being properly engaged would be so in technological cases, maybe the use of CCTV 
or other sort of digital recordings um, is likely to be in that arena, I imagine, because you know, how many places in this country would you have half a million people sort of look from a gallery into your flat? Probably not very many. Um, the ramifications could be interesting in terms of potential developments. Again, I suspect the impact is likely to be quite limited, but I can foresee some developers perhaps, you know, going back to the drawing board in terms of their future designs, particularly when it comes to rooftop terraces or, or viewing galleries and, and just you know, double checking whether that is something that should be installed in light of this decision. I think, you know, I, I very much agree with Sam. I think the um, CCTV or other recording, it's because it's about the duration and intensity of the visual intrusion. And it would have to be so many sets of eyes together at one, you know, over, over a, a period to, to give rise to that. The, the court said it's going to be very rare. Sam's right. They referred to an Australian case and a Canadian case that involved cameras and neighbour disputes where... Um, sensors and, and lights and a camera flashed on whenever the neighbours came out into their garden and an injunction was granted because that was considered to be a nuisance. So you could see that ring doorbells. We saw that case um, in the Oxford County Court um, shortly, I think, before the Court of Appeal, another Supreme Court hearing. But yes, yeah, so, but I think it's going to be very, very rare. And, and I uh, probably I, I'm going to go slightly further than Sam. I don't think this is a decision that needs to concern developers at all. Um, in my mind, I think the Supreme Court have made it very clear that cheek by jowl developments, buildings next to each other, glass wall or no glass wall, will not engage um, visual intrusion, private nuisance. And I, and I think that's absolutely right. And and, and if, it, if it were otherwise, we'd have a problem. And I'm, I'm clear from my reading of the judgment, we don't. So, so I think um, whilst it's fair to say that visual intrusion uh, nuisance is is not going to be something we see very much of i do think that the the decision really both the uh, main judgment and the dissenting judgment support uh, a case to sort of effectively widen the ambit of the law of nuisance more generally and I, and I and i think that's probably the area where we're going to see people looking at activities and, and interferences with a slight through a slightly different lens so we might we might just see nuisance generally ex expanding or or exploring the boundaries but uh, as i say visual intrusion nuisance not a problem for developers that's a array of hope there from james for net curtain manufacturers that their, their services will still be required uh, throughout the city of london but but not a ray of hope for people who want to build viewing galleries on the other side because that's True. where it's going to hit uh, absolutely. Um, thank you very much, uh, all of you, and uh, in particular, uh, James Souter, for helping us uh, follow this case all the way uh, through the, the courts uh, over these uh, last few years. If it does result in uh, another disputed hearing before the High Court, I'm, I'm sure we, we may reconvene uh, to discuss the outcome one more time. But as, as you've all expressed, fingers crossed uh, with the, the words of the Supreme Court. Um, to inform them that the parties can at last reach a resolution on this one. Uh, to everyone at home, you have been listening to On The Case from EG.